0: special edition of the Darden Admissions Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation, with Melissa Thomas-Hunt and Yael rushka kukain Melissa is the Senior Associate Dean for the Residential Full-Time MBA program here at Darden, and Yael is the Senior Associate Dean for Professional Degree Programs. I recently connected with them to talk more about highlights from this past semester, what they're looking forward to in the spring, their advice for prospective students, and so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's my interview with Melissa Thomas-Hunt and Yael grushka kane Melissa, Yael, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Brad. Well,
0: it's great to have you here. Um, how's everything going, Melissa? How are you doing?
1: You know, I was just saying that I, I, I am taking a breath. It's been a, you know, a, a busy, fast paced a few months. And so it's nice to take a few moments to just sort of catch up a little bit to reflect. Um, and then there's some moments, so some of our, you know, um, first and second years in the full-time residential program are, you know, saying, you know, goodbye for a few weeks. And so there's always a little bit of sadness because I won't see them for a little while.
0: Yeah, this is this week is the first week that it's felt a little bit slower to me. I, I don't, I don't know about for y'all. Maybe it sounds like for, for y'all too. Yael, how, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, the same. It's been, um, it feels like we've been running, running, running uh, straight for months, and it's nice to feel uh, some closure and some stuff. So I was teaching both our residential and our EMBAs. Actually, at the same time, I taught the same course for both audiences, and it was kind of nice to progress with both audiences. And now everybody's, as you say, (laughs) folks are on a break. The term has, I think, actually, technically today is the end of exam period. So... um, Everything is due today uh, for them, um, uh, which just means grading for us. But that will wait. Um, so yeah, it's nice to come have this uh, 2023 come to a you know a slow, slow end. Um, but it feels good. I'm excited about what what's lying ahead.
0: Well, thank you both for taking some time out for the podcast. Thought it would be fun to look back on what's been a, as noted, busy. Uh, fall semester here at, at Darden. So before we get too far into that conversation, though, I want to give our listeners a chance to learn a little bit more about you. So, Yael, can I come to you first? Um, sure. My, I know you've been on the podcast a few times, and and longtime listeners know a little bit about you. But for folks who are new, uh, tell us more about you, your role, and what you do here at Darden.
2: Of course. Thank you, Brett, for always inviting me back. I feel like I haven't, uh, you know, I, I guess I was a reasonable guest if you keep inviting me back. Um, I am... Um, You'll soon hear, actually, that both Melissa and I joined Darden at the same year. So we always like to highlight this when we're in these settings. Uh, 2009 was a good year for Darden. Both Melissa and I uh, were joined together. We were the only two faculty that joined that year. So it kind of bonds us together. Um, so I've been here at Darden since then. Um, so I guess this is our 15th academic year, I say, I guess. Um I came here straight out of PhD, so I completed my PhD at the London Business School, where I studied management science and operations, and my area of expertise here at Darden, and in general, is a field called decision analysis. At Darden, we call it quantitative analysis, which has some historic reasons for that name, but it's one of the only places where we really separate operations from decision analysis. And actually, my work is kind of on the boundary between the two, because I also do a lot of project planning and project management, which historically has been considered more of an operations um, area of expertise. But I do everything to do with strategic decision making, forecasting, understanding risk and uncertainty, a lot about forecasting especially in the context of projects. So how do you plan complex projects? How do you use, let's say, AI in that context Um, and so on? Um, So that's my academic background. And then... um, on this call, I'm, I'm more in my role here, actually, as a senior associate dean for our professional degree program. So, Darden offers several MBA, several ways to get an MBA. We really offer primarily an MBA degree. Um, Melissa will tell you on one way uh, of getting an MBA, which her students um, experience, but the students that are under my responsibility are the ones that have full-time jobs and are taking their Um, academics on, in in addition to, um, or in kind of more of a outside of the normal hours kind of framework. So students who take the MBA curriculum in the evenings and take classes or on the weekends with their executive format, um, but eventually get at the same place and obtain their MBA. Another program that is under my responsibility is an MSBA, a Master's of Business um, analytics, which is a degree that we co-teach or co-deliver, I would say, with uh, UVA's McIntyre School of Commerce. Um, and the majority of the programs that are under my responsibility are delivered in Northern Virginia, um, where you most of the time are, and I think you are there right now. Um, yeah, and I'll stop there.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, greetings from Science Family Grants here in Roslyn. Uh, so, yeah, you mentioned uh, you taught project management um, to both the residential and, and the executive-based students uh, this this quarter. Any other classes uh, that you teach that you would want to note here?
2: Um, most years, I teach some decision analysis core class, depending on the audience. Sometimes it's for the EMBA, sometimes it's for the residential. In the past, I've taught um, uh, data science, um, you know, business analytics, uh, uh, yeah, kind of more of a business analytics or applied analytics kind of courses. This year, I'm only teaching project management because I'm also going to teach a section for the part time. So I have three sections for the, each one of our formats. Um, so it kind of ups and flows throughout the years. I kind of experiment with a few other things and um, I'll I'll give a teaser. So we'll talk about it later. But, you know, we also teach and we accompany global trips. And both Melissa and I will tell you about that in, uh, later in this conversation. <laughs>
0: All right. Something to look forward to. Uh, All right, Melissa, um, tell us a little bit more about you. Who are you and uh, what's your role here at TARD?
1: Yeah, I'll start with my current role. So, um, you know, Yael is my counterpart um, in that I am the Senior Associate Dean of the Residential Full-Time MBA program. So that would be the MBA program format um, where our students uh, come. Uh, at the end of August and are sort of continuously present. Like they are in residence um, in Charlottesville. uh, Mostly they do a summer of internship um, away and then they come back for a second year and then they uh, finish up in in May. So the timeframes are actually the same. It's the residential piece that differs in the fact that um, my students uh, certainly start uh, without having External employment um, so that they can jump right in. Um, uh, so I Yael said that we started at the same time, which we we did. Our paths are a little bit um different. So when I came here, I had been on the faculty of a couple of other places already. Um so I had been um at Washington with the Olin School. And then um immediately before coming, I had been at Cornell and the Johnson School. And um, happily came down to Charlottesville and to, to Darden. Um, interestingly enough, um, the primary reason um, that I was recruited at that time was uh, to continue the legacy of negotiations teaching um, at uh, at Darden. And so um, came down and primarily taught negotiations. And then over time, started teaching more of our um, core leadership and organization classes Um, and did that for quite some time and taught across the format. So taught in the executive MBA format as well as the full-time residential program. Um, And uh, at one point served as the senior associate dean um, and global chief diversity officer um, here at Darden. I then took a little bit of a hiatus. (laughs) Um, and uh, I did some work uh, in the provost office at Vanderbilt University along the lines of inclusive excellence um, and then actually had a two year stint um, on the executive team at Airbnb um, between 2019 and 2021. And um, one of the things that um, was most evident to me just being in, in corporate life was that we need great leaders and great managers. And um, I encountered many of them in my experience, but I knew a place where we do that really, really well. And I wanted to be returned and be part of that process. And so in August of 2021, came back to Darden um, and uh, you know, to engage uh, in the core teaching leadership and organizations core classes with our first year MBA students, did a little bit of teaching in executive format, um, and dove back into my research agenda, which previously had been on teams and understanding how individuals' contributions of their expertise sometimes don't get used by teams and groups and what are some of those factors that get in the way and how can we mitigate it. Um, and then also, you know, more recently, studying connection in organizations and how being connected is an important part of the productivity um, that we hope to have of for employees and how can we actually create that and unleash that. Um, and so I've uh, been doing a lot of that over the last couple of years.
0: All right. Well, Melissa, I'm curious, what do you enjoy the most about your job? What, what are some of your favorite things to, about your role at DART?
1: Oh, hand, hands down, it's 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 engaging with students. Um I uh there is a um so our, our our students are very generous and interesting and smart people. And so it's fun to be in conversation with them. Um it's also fun to appreciate that um they see things in a way that I often don't. Um, And it's refreshing to have, you know, respectful civil dialogues and to learn and grow and hopefully for them to learn and grow. And I'm talking about outside of the classroom, not just inside of the classroom, but to really form what are, you know, lifelong relationships with students and to be able to celebrate um, their successes over the time that they're in the program, but then also beyond. So, Hands down, engaging with our students um, is really the thing that's rewarding. It's the thing that gets me up in the morning and when there are tough days and, you know, we have long days and there's lots of work and lots of partners, knowing um, that we are ultimately here to educate and serve our students is uh, is what keeps me going.
0: Yeah, i also a question for you. What's your favorite thing uh, about your role?
1: Yeah, I mean,
2: I think that... Um... I think it would be hard to find a faculty at Darling that didn't say the students, meaning we do definitely uh, pride ourselves in having extraordinary students. And um, it's a small, a relatively small community, I would say, even, even with the fact that we have two locations and we have several different formats, it still feels pretty intimate in how we conduct our classes and how we get to know the students and just how we think about ourselves, including after they graduate as alumni. So uh, it feels like it's just one extended family um, a large family at this point, but an extended family. Um, and so, I definitely love the interaction and the relationships that I form with new students, with graduating students, uh, students that I've had in my classroom, um, students who I've, I, you know, get to work with more as an administrator. And our student leaders are always just so wonderful in how they give back to this community that um, it really, you know, gives us energy every day. Um, I've enjoyed working with Melissa and uh, working across the leadership team at Darden with other members of our, of our leadership, uh, both faculty and staff trying to understand, you know, what, what does the landscape of the MBA uh, look like tomorrow or in three years or in five years? And what does Darden continue to do um, or, or think about doing differently? And there's no real quick or easy answers to that, but those are, are actually sometimes very challenging questions. And um I feel like I'm I have good partners in trying to figure that out. So um,
1: yeah. Well, and, and I'll just say that um so so Yael has been in her role longer than I have been in mine. Um and I I benefit from her ability to have been around some corners that I haven't been around and to give um I, I would say gentle guidance, but for those who know, Yael. <laughs> <laughs> it's just <really direct. laughs> Um but 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 very much appreciated and helpful, um, and also like it's, it's important that we also center um, our faculty members and our colleagues and understand because they are so committed to what they do, understand their perspective and um, the larger context for like why we do things the way we do. Not saying that things shouldn't change, but but we have to recognize and understand at least why why we're currently doing them the way we are.
2: One thing that we've been really working hard, Melissa and I and others, and we, 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 we're we really lucky because we have great partners. Like um, we have a whole instructional design team and they've been helping us figure out the generative AI uh, wave, I would say, or movement or change or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so we've basically spent the whole last six months kind of trying to understand the implications for what does it do to higher ed? Uh, how will students use it? How will faculty use it? How will they, uh, in ways that we want them to or not want them to. And so it's been, um, it's really been a challenge, but exciting to also learn new things and, and figure it out together. And so, you know, together with Melissa and the rest of our faculty, we've learned so much in the past six months. It's just, uh, it's fun to to, fun to reflect on. So I'm happy to be here to reflect on it.
1: It's also, it's great because I mean, there's always, you know, I, and I don't know that this this was our um, intention when we went into it. But there, there are th- sort of the meta benefit is that the faculty gets to be in community with one another. And coming off of the pandemic, um, it's been really nice to have a regular cadence to a conversation that brings us together. Um, and so have really enjoyed that aspect of it as well.
0: Yeah. Well, I mentioned at the start of the conversation here that I wanted to give you an opportunity to reflect on the past semester and talk about some of the highlights um, from this busy uh, fall semester these past few months. And Yael, are, are there a few things that jump out to you when you think about uh, the, the this fall semester?
2: Yeah, there are a couple of things. Um, and it's been a a long semester, <laughs> I must admit. Um, I think it's been nice to see. So as you know, Brett, and um, folks who follow your podcast will can go back a couple of years. Our part-time format, uh, the evening uh, format, is fairly new or young format, I would say. We only have a, a couple of generations in the house of students that Um, are following that cadence. And it's been nice to get more of a critical mass. Uh, We now have two generations. We have first years and second years. So it feels like we have a community. We've structured their schedule so they can, um, so they meet in person on site in the same weeks. And so that that they can get to know each other. And next year we'll have a third cohort. So like, it's nice to see those generations come in and that uh, community, um, uh, you know, get, become more robust. Uh, it gives them a sense of belonging, it gives them a sense of community, and it helps us make them feel as Darden as possible. Um, So that's been super nice. It's also been nice to see um, we've been working very hard across the whole organization to align calendars, to allow our students to take courses with different format students. And so there are some res- students who travel up to DC to take classes with the executives. There are students who are taking between the part-time and the um, and the EMBA coming down to Charlottesville for what we call a J week uh, in January to take intensive courses. So we have a whole cross-organization um, exchange and that's great, again, closing the gap and creating more of a tight community and things that I'm. Uh, it's been very nice to see come together after a lot of hard work on behalf of many people. And then finally, I would say, um, as uh, mentioned, this has been the year of AI and generative AI, and I do some work in the area, so it's been nice to see the enthusiasm. Uh, we had a big AI conference just a few weeks ago in um, Sands Family Grounds, um, and, and it was exciting to listen to the conversation. Some big Questions that emerge around business and how businesses are going to embrace AI, where are the boundaries and the limitations going to be, what is the role of the regulatory body, how do we here at Darden with um uh, an, with the ethics that we teach in our mindset that is centered on values and responsible leadership, how, what is what is the role that we play in in that next generation of leaders? Um, that's been a very active front, I would say, and maybe it relates a little bit more to my research than my teaching, but but it's been uh, nonetheless very exciting to be part of.
0: Yeah, we're recruiting the third class of part-time MBA students right now, as, as you mentioned. And you know, when the first class started, um, just kind of excited to see them get started in the program. They're now entering quarter nine. Uh, they will have their second week-long residency in Charlottesville um, in just a few months, and then they'll enter the elective period. And it's kind of exciting to see them get to this point and the calendar and see some of the electives start to roll out for these students. You did an episode about the initial sort of planning around electives for part time MBA students. You mentioned the January term, the J term, where I think we'll have full time, part time, and executive MBA students enrolled oh. in several electives uh, during that January term, which is oh. great.
2: It's great. And it's really exciting to see how keen they are to get involved and to get to know the community and to embrace these opportunities. Um, I want to say about a dozen, maybe 15 of them went to Italy earlier in the year. So they uh, were able to go abroad. So our part-time students are really seizing these opportunities and um, experiencing more and more of Darden as well. And, and as you say, they're about to start their electives. Um, I'm excited. I'm going to, as I mentioned, I'm going to teach them uh, later in the year. Um, and I think that they're very ready for it. So <laughs> they'll be happy to get there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love cool. the fact that. Oh, I was just going to say, my sense is that faculty are eager to engage with them and to teach them, which is always good to see.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I love the fact that you will have taught residential students, part-time MBA students, and executive MBA students all in the same academic year. That's uh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's a first for me, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm mixing it up a little bit uh, kind of to get that experience under my belt.
0: Well, Melissa, same question for you. Uh, what have been the highlights for you from from this fall semester?
1: Yeah, I think there's there's some things that we have been focused on around finding um, more ways to help our students to get connected to one another. We know that, you know, across all of the formats that we have a very um, intense, uh, you know, learning-focused program. And so how can we be really deliberate? And so one of the things that we did in the full-time residential program was to create um groups um, called Who Crews, where even before they came to Grounds, there was an opportunity in groups of about 10 or 12 um, to engage in different activities to get to know individuals who would be in their class. We promised that this, you know, they would have opportunities to see and engage um, with them when they got to Grounds. And in, in fact, you know, we structured that in. And so just creating more of a runway for social interaction so that individuals know people, they have, you know, not only their learning teams and their sections um, that they can rely upon, but there are some alternative places that they can go and gather support and, and, and have some fun. And so it's been nice to see, um, and we've also provided um, learning team mentors for all of our learning teams. And across the uh, two quarters, the learning team men- men- mentors who are um, staff and faculty members at Darden have been planning little events, like sort of surprising learning teams with goodies or having a pizza lunch or just checking in on them to see how they're doing. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we are a community that cares. And so just finding more ways, given the complexity of students' lives, to demonstrate to them that we are here for them and that we're supportive of them. And so um, I've been really pleased to to see that come to light.
0: Well, it's interesting to hear you mention the learning teams, the Hoot Crew. I also feel like, you know, there's been some cultural shifts in terms of how the learning teams engage with each other. I think this is it may seem small, but it's actually quite large. Historically, the learning teams met at night. Um, But I think you've also you've been encouraging the learning teams to meet uh, during the afternoon much more in the flow flow of the day.
1: Yeah, we. Um we so learning team rooms are are reserved starting at four o'clock and they they go till late at night. We started with a suggestion of meeting, you know, at four o'clock from four to six, um, but also indicated that, you know, depending upon the way members' lives are configured, that they would have to flex, that there would be different um schedules based upon recruiting and other obligations, but that we we wanted to. Um, have, you know, the bulk of learning teams start off, like, so that they would do things around Darden and then, you know, some individual prep, some other things, and then they'd go into their learning team. um, And then they could potentially have their evenings um, for personal time and wellness, for engaging with their families, for additional individual prep. Um, And so I think, you know, there are a variety of configurations that exist. Some learning teams are actually still meeting, you know, Sundays through Wednesdays in that slot that we allocated. And then others have chosen and some other configurations, I think the important thing is for them to be on an exploration of how to work with individuals from, you know, a diverse array um, and to set goals uh, for individual learning and collective learning that work for everybody um, and for us to provide the support structure to help them and guide and nudge them because the reality is that most of the work that they're going to be doing is in a group or team format in their internships and then afterwards. And so we're just trying to do more to support their development um, as good team members.
0: And it's such a great opportunity to practice those skills. It's a, you know, nobody's technically in charge of the learning team. You have to figure out how you want to work together. You set your norms, hold people accountable. And, you know, when we have students on Experience Start and talking about the recruitment process, what that looks like and how they have to lean on their learning team members. And then of course, they're the person that picks up the slack when someone else is going through the recruiting process. Like, there's a, it's a very important, uh, not just academic support, but just part of the experience, uh, here, here at Darden for students in terms of practicing some of these things that they're learning it down in class. And of course, they're going to draw upon when they get out in in the working world.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's really a a foundational managerial and leadership skill. And, you know, we'd like to think that it's always going to be perfect, but it's not perfect in the real world. And we can't just sort of abandon ship. And so figuring out how we can have conversations with people, how we can represent our own interests, but also understand theirs and how we can be flexible and agile, um, but still hold to to our academic objectives. um, Those are really important skills that we're trying to instill.
0: The other thing I wanted to ask about was uh, there's also some rethinking of the first the structure of the first year uh, for full time MBA students. Uh, uh, recently, they, they, it was, you know, three, three quarters of core and then the fourth quarter was elected, although right before the start of the school year, I think it, that was changed. So sort of the, the pacing of things, uh, spreading out of some of some of the classes. You want to talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I I get to execute on that. Um, uh, so one of the things that we wanted to do is to be mindful of, you know, some of the changes in the cadence of recruiting in particular. Um, and so um, our core in its most recent instantiation used to be spread across three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, for the most part, um, students were able to take first year electives. Um, And to create more capacity in the fall, particularly in what's our quarter two and have a lighter course load, so drop it down to four rather than five classes, um, that necessitated spreading the core classes out over the the year. So now core classes take place um, in quarter one through four. In quarter four, there are two core classes um, and the opportunity for students to take um, a couple of first year electives. And we also created the opportunity in quarter three, which is earlier than I think it's ever been um, for first years to also take um, at least one elective class then. So um, early feedback is that um, our first year students are appreciating the fact that they have a, a more capacity uh, for some of their personal wellness um, during quarter two. Um, but there's also the recognition that, you know, recruiting is taking a significant portion of their time. And, um, and so we're exploring, we're, we're gathering data and looking at, at metrics to really see, um, if the change, uh, is delivering the outcomes that we had hoped for. So there's some early signs that it has, but I'm sure that there will be some future tweaks as well.
0: As always. Well, I'm curious, Melissa, what, what are you looking forward to, um, in the coming semester right so j term will get started in just a couple weeks and uh spring semester will be off and running so what are you looking forward to
1: so i um i was delighted that in quarter two i got to teach two sections of negotiations because it allowed me to uh, reconnect with some of the first years that i taught in leadership and organizations core and also get to know a whole array of students that i hadn't taught and so that was exhilarating um but what it didn't allow me to do was to have sort of the high touch and and high engagement with lots of the student organizations and their leaders um, and to really spend time in community going to as many of the student activities as I possibly can. And I, I certainly went to some, but I was teaching two nights a week. And so I'm really looking forward to just spending time with our students. One, because our first years are now going to be in their second semester. They know their way around. Um, and I think they're going to be looking up to sort of see, like, what is next for them? Um, what is it that they want to learn? How do they want to evolve as people as and as leaders? And to be in conversation with them will be, will be absolutely wonderful. Um, and then our second years are looking to the future. Um, and that's both a exhilarating time, but it's also a scary time. And for many of them, they're thinking like, I'm leaving this community that I have become very fond of. And so I'm looking forward to having a little bit more capacity in my schedule to spend time with them. And I'm also looking forward to spending time with my colleagues. I um I just, <laughs> I haven't had a chance, uh, capacity to just walk the halls and pop in and have conversations and reflect with my colleagues. And that's just a really important part of what we do when you're in a community so that you can understand how people think and how they're doing. And um, so I'm looking forward to that.
0: Also thinking about Yael's comment, previously, do you have a global course in your future?
1: I do have a global course. I am super excited. Um, We have lots of overlap here. So I am leading a Darden Worldwide course uh, to South Africa uh, in March. I have never been to South Africa. Um, Our focus will be on transformation and change, and we will be in both uh, Johannesburg and in Cape Town. And so um, I'm super excited because we're now deep into the throes of planning, and I'm looking forward to going on um, sort of a a journey you know a journey with our students to reflect and to understand a society that has evolved considerably and and has other challenges but has many successes and then to reflect in like what are the lessons learned for how we think about change and transformation both personally organizationally and societally
0: that's that's awesome we had a we had some executive MBA students go on a global residency there several years ago and uh, they had an incredible time, and they some of them also came a little early, stayed a little bit late. Uh, safaris uh, were involved. A little, um, so
1: there's a safari we're going to do a okay. safari, a uh, uh, couple of days safari beforehand. So I'm excited. I've never been on safari, so um, it, I, it, it I think it will just be wonderful. And I'm so glad uh, that the the students are excited. And we'll begin in January to have prepare, you know, pre trip preparations and study various facets of the culture. Um, so that we uh, are prepared to just, like, consume, engage, um, meet people, reflect once we get there.
0: All right. Well, Yael, what are you looking forward to uh, in the spring semester?
2: Uh, Well, I am also going to South Africa, uh, interestingly enough. Uh, I'm going with our EMBA students, indeed, uh, maybe two, three weeks before you, Melissa. When are you guys? You're going mid-March, I think, right? So we're going um, the last week of February. Um, So there's a group of... um, Just over 20 EMBAs who are going and I'm going to accompany them. And I'm excited. I've been to Cape Town. I've not been to Johannesburg and I've been very keen to do a safari. So I'm super, super excited about it. It's going to be a great trip. Um, Very interesting. um, Kind of similar to a lot of the themes that Melissa laid out. Um, and then from there, I'm going to continue straight to Casablanca because I'm meeting a group of our first year EMBAs for another trip. Um, I've been to Morocco before. I was there last year with our uh, executive format students. And so I get to uh, go back, um, which is kind of nice as well to go to a country for a second and third time. To Once you know it a little bit and you can feel like you can really... Um, Uh, help the students get familiar with it and feel more at ease there. Uh, I'm excited about that and the opportunity that that presents uh, for me to go back. I have a lot of travel actually coming up Um, next six months. I'm just booking some tickets and realizing. So as Melissa mentioned, we've been so busy with teaching and otherwise that um, and other obligations that we have. Uh, now I can spend some time on my research. So I'm giving several talks uh, and going all over to meet some colleagues. Um, some interesting conferences that I'm part of the organizing team later in this, in the end of the spring, early summer in Scandinavia. Um, so a lot of fun travel. So this is the this is the next six months of travel for me, which um, which is going to be fun, exhausting but fun um, and different because I've been primarily local for the fall. So
1: yeah as I say, you remind me, I I think I'm a little bit in denial because it's been so many years in the making, but I have a book coming out in January. Right, right, (laughs) right. (laughs) Um, So, so I, I, I am excited about, uh, excited about that.
0: Tell us more about the book um, that's coming out in January.
1: Um, it's, it's called Inclusion Unlocked and, um, it explores, um, uh, leadership capabilities for being an inclusive leader, um, and we uh, showcase interviews with executives and bring in theory from management and social psychology and um, and and some of you know our our very own practice to help others on their journey to think through um, how do you become an inclusive leader and why is it important.
0: All right. So starting, start off the new year with a bang, a brand new book. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I have to say the last, uh, global residency that you took students to, to Morocco, um, it feels like everybody we've had on the podcast, everybody we featured on the blog was somehow on this global residency. And I know you only travel with like 30 students, so I, I don't know how this is possible.
2: <laughs> they but... were the vocal ones. Yes. You got the vocals ones. We had a great trip last year. Um, it's funny when you travel with students, um, you know, It's, we are all a pretty tight-knit community and some of that tight-knit community comes from what we do in the classroom. So a, a lot of voices get expressed and opinions and people talk and they get to know each other. We like to, um, We also spend a lot of time together outside the classroom, like in meals and socializing and so on. And so the students, we get to see the students in other lights, if you will, and other kind of settings. And traveling is yet another way to get to know um, students and for them to get to know each other and us. I often joke with the students at the end of a trip to say, you know, you think you know somebody until you wake up in the morning and see them first thing and go to sleep and you just saw them. And then you get a whole different perspective on 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 people and their lives and and who they are. And it's kind of nice um, for that. When you travel with first years, so the group I'm going to take to Morocco, it's all still new. They they don't know each other that well. Like they've only been together a couple of semesters and or a couple of quarters, actually only one semester. And so it's really, you know, they're only at the beginning of first quarter of the program under their belt. It's it's all very new and they're getting to know each other. When you travel with your second years, that's a totally different ballgame. And so when I'm going to South Africa, I'm with our second years there. They know each other really, really well. They, in some cases, they know each other's spouses and they've all kind of traveled together already. And uh, and then I'm going to go with the first year. So that's going to be new. So I'm excited about that um, kind of uh, dichotomy, if you will. But it's it's also nice to see them go through that and get closer to each other and create those bonds for life that uh, come out of our program. Mm.
0: Yeah, that first global residency travel period for the executive MBA students is about six months into the program, and it's still very early in that journey. Um, and, yeah, and right after, right after quarter three, after they've had accounting, finance, and leadership, communication. So, um, yeah, it's you know, I would say that's probably one of the first times where they, the groups that come back from those those early global residencies, they do feel very bonded to one another. It does seem like one of those moments in the program where they really. Um, started to cement some of those relationships because they've just gone to Morocco or Spain or some of the places that we've been exactly. uh, early on in the program.
2: Exactly.
0: Um, the last question after EIL, before we kind of transition to sort of uh, a few final thoughts. Um, you've taught, you will have taught project management to full-time executive MBA and, and part-time MBA. Do you think about structuring that class differently, depending upon which of those audiences you're teaching? Um, or is it largely to the same class, uh, just different audiences?
2: Yeah, it's it's a great question, Brett. By and large it's similar. Um I do try and kind of I am thoughtful a little bit about the time and the way that they have to study. So for instance, our our part-time students or our MBA students Um, They're busy during the day. They work. And so they have full time jobs. And so I need to be a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of prepping them and getting materials out. And so whatever I need them to do in terms of prep for class or exercises or submissions, I need to be thinking about how that's going to be, you know, how they can actually cope with it and how it will fit in with their lives. Not that our residential students don't require that. Um, they also have full lives, mostly um, of their own doing, but they're also very busy. They uh, they run the school in so many ways. They have their own uh, clubs and agenda and they're very busy and they do amazing things and some of them are recruiting. So I'm respectful of our residential students, but they are a little bit more um, present and they live a li- slightly more in the moment, if you will. So preparing one day for the next because their life Allow them to do it, maybe a few days in advance, and you know I don't want to generalize, but so so some of the cadence and the pacing of the course, and therefore the materials, and when it's when they kind of uh, consume them, some of that I have to adjust. But the way that I teach project management is always fairly strategic, so I never assume that I'm teaching a different level of a leader in the organization, even for residential students. Um, who are maybe some of them a little bit um, uh, earlier in their career. I'm still catering my course for for when they are a little bit more senior in the organization to give them that strategic perspective. I'm not trying to give them, you know, like the um, expectation that they are the project managers that have to go through the PMP. I'm not teaching at that kind of level. I am trying to teach to to pull it upwards to be more strategic in its insight. Just because just because I think that that's really what other people around the organization are going to expect any MBA, any of our MBAs, regardless of the format, to do and to have that vision. And so I don't really see a huge difference. Sometimes you'll see a difference in terms of what projects they choose to focus on as part of their deliverables. Our executive students are much more inclined to have projects that are work-related in context that they're ready or maybe doing. Our residential students tend to plan maybe more of them plan their personal life projects, uh, trips, weddings, events, moves, and so on, um, just because maybe they don't have as much of something pressing at work to plan. But those are the major differences. Otherwise, it's fairly similar.
0: Melissa, I know you've you've taught residential students as well as executive MBA students. Does the uh, Yale's points here resonate? Um, how how do you think about teaching same topics, say uh, negotiations, uh, to these yeah, different audiences?
1: It, it it absolutely resonates. I think you know, in with negotiations, there there are negotiation fundamentals. So there's the structure to it. There's sort of research based upon that. And that's applicable across different contexts and, you know, and across levels. Um, and so, you know, really the different thing that I'm doing is leveraging the experience and what's top of mind and what are the challenges um, that a particular audience has and helping them to unpack um, with their newly found or honed negotiation skills, how they should be thinking about it. And so at the core, it's the same, but it's the level of the conversation and the sort of nuance of the conversation that that tends to differ across the for- format.
0: All right. Well, last question for you all. We've got a full-time MBA deadline coming up in early January. We've got an executive MBA deadline, January 10, another part-time MBA deadline uh, on February 1. Um, Melissa, any advice that you would share uh, with our listeners uh, as they think about their own MBA journeys?
1: Yeah, I would just I would encourage them, you know, to really do their research and in particular as they're investigating Darden to really get a sense of, you know, what does it mean to be part of this community? What does it mean to learn in a student centered environment Um, and for them to think about, you know, um not only who they are but you know what they've done and where they think they want to go um and to really express that as they are communicating with us so that we uh, and you know and and why why darden specifically um it's a it's a unique and and wonderful place um you know but but it will be great for them to authentically engage and um and they, and uh, sort of expound upon like why this is a place that they think they would thrive
0: yeah, that's great advice. We're always listening for you know things about the experience here that are personally resonant uh, with the student, with the student beyond just you know a top program or that kind of thing. Something that you actually sort of spent some time with and really processed what it would mean for your experience here at Dartmouth. um A piece of advice for our listeners as they think about their MBA journeys.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, one of the more powerful um, ways to identify if you're in the right place is, of course, they're going to talk to you or your colleagues in the admissions. I'm not saying you guys are not amazing, which you are, but you are in admissions. So they need to recognize that. We are faculty. We also work here, but they need to talk to the students and the alumni. They need to talk to people out there in the community. They need to talk to employers and other people who can give them as many different perspectives and experiences as possible um, really, our students and our alumni are our best ambassadors because they, those with a few years experience, those even recent alums, they can tell a student really what to expect from sitting in their seat, right, being in, and going through that, that sometimes we cannot describe as accurately. Um, faculty are always happy to engage and get to know students as they're um, thinking about applying Uh, We love to share our expertise and, you know, uh, kind of tell you more about it, Uh, have guests in our classroom and showcase the the method and the style. I hope that folks who are considering Darden take us up on all these opportunities to to do so, because really, there's no end to how much you can experience Darden before you come, uh, which should... (laughs) It, which which is good. I mean, we do that on purpose because we know that you, people who come here will fall in love with it, um, but also um, it will help close that gap and make sure that when you do show up and you're ready to matriculate, you you know what to expect. And that's the best case scenario.
0: Yeah. Agreed. We have class visits for all of our programs. And if you can make it work, I strongly encourage you to come spend some time with us. It's a great opportunity to see the case method in person. You get to meet up a whole bunch of current students and just get a feel for the culture of the place, you know, I think one of the hardest things for prospective students is every school kind of sounds the same on its website, but at a community level, at a cultural level, all of these schools are very different from each other and uh, no better way to get a feel for that than just come spend a little time sitting in the classroom. Hundred well, percent, Melissa Yael. Thank you so much for for coming on the podcast and for doing this uh, effective like year year wrap up show, uh, semester wrap up show. Um, it's been great talking with you, and I uh, hope you and your families have a very happy holiday season.
2: I feel like we're like the frequent frequent uh, uh, hosts on uh, Saturday Night Live. They bring us in for the Christmas uh, special.
1: <laughs> Brett, thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Brett. I appreciate it. You have a restful break and happy holidays.
2: Happy holidays.
0: And that was my interview with Melissa Thomas Hunt and Yael Grushka two senior associate deans here at the Darden School of Business. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, We're All Ears, we can be reached at darden, that's C-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Till next time, stay safe, be well, and have a happy holiday.